The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jews disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. This he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. The Gospel of the Lord. Whenever I read through the conversion of St. Paul, uh, I'm reminded of a story from Ireland, from a, a priest, uh, or someone who knows a priest over there. And there was a young man who was, as you would just describe him, I suppose the best way to describe him would be wild. You know, he was just this wild young man. He was always fighting. He was always in trouble. He was always doing the wrong thing. And so eventually he was brought in. Uh, it was a parochial school. He was brought in to see the priest for a disciplinary hearing, you know. And so this young boy went in, this young man went into his disciplinary hearing, and everyone expected that the, the priest would really rebuke him, you know. And so after he heard all of what had happened, they all went out for a meeting, and the priest said, what a remarkable young man. He says, all of that passion and all of that, all of that anger, he says, now if we can just take that and turn that in the right direction, you know, such a beautiful new perspective on how to help someone. He hadn't given up on this young man. He knew that if this young man and all that passion was simply redirected, it could be used for so much good. And that's what we see in the life of St. Paul. And that's what we have to learn, which is that we can never give up or never despair upon the conversion of anyone, even if they are persecuting the people of God and His church. We have to constantly pray for their conversion because those who passionately attack the church might also, through an experience like St. Paul, end up becoming her greatest defenders. And so as Saul is breathing threats, as he is full of this anger, he encounters Christ. And the Lord says to him, why are you persecuting me? We have in that one line the summary of the existence of the mystical body of Christ, that we truly make up that mystical body, and that when we are persecuted as his mystical body, the Lord himself is persecuted. Saul, why do you persecute me, in my members, in my mystical body? And he said, who are you, Lord? Simple question, but very profound. A question that would be answered throughout the rest of his life as he constantly discovered ever deeper the mystery of Christ. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. That is who you are persecuting. 
But then what the Lord does is he extends an invitation to Paul, to Saul, to become Paul, to enter into this mystical body through baptism, to become one of the members of Christ, one of the members of this mystical body. And so Saul goes into the city, and there he is baptized. He enters into that life of grace. He enters into the mystical body of Christ. And immediately, it says, he goes out and he proclaimed Jesus. Immediately. All of that passion, all of that anger, all of that drive that is in Saul is turned in Paul and directed in the right direction. What we've been reading over in this Easter season, initially we went through all of the resurrection accounts, and now we have been dealing with the entry into the sacraments and the baptisms. Because our life with Christ is not something that he imposes upon us. He has suffered, he has died, he has been raised, and he offers to us salvation. But it is something that must be received. It is something that must be received from him. And so this new life begins in baptism, just as the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they passed through the sea. So also our life with Christ begins as we pass through the waters of baptism. But that life must be sustained. That life must have food for the journey. And so just as the Israelites had manna from heaven to sustain them in that journey, we have the true manna, the true bread of life that comes down from heaven and gives life in order to sustain us on this journey. And this is the mystery that Christ is speaking about in the gospel today as he speaks in the synagogue of Capernaum. He speaks about the food that he will give, the food that comes down from heaven and gives life, the food that is himself, his own body, his own blood, so that we can be sustained. One of the things that I read yesterday, which is interesting, is that the people are grumbling, it says, and murmuring to themselves while the Lord is teaching about the Eucharist. And the Lord says to them at one other point, he says, your fathers ate the manna in the desert and they died. Your fathers. The ones who grumbled. The ones who murmured. In the face of God's sustaining gifts, in the face of the gifts of God that were given to them in order to sustain them and give them life, they complained. They complained. Because it was not to their more earthly satisfactions. They longed for the food of Egypt. They murmured amongst themselves. The word there in the Greek, it means to complain quietly, right? Not to actually desire a solution, but more to love simply the complaining, the act of complaining. It also means to become discontent, to be discontent with the gifts that we have received. And the Lord twice says to them, stop murmuring amongst yourselves. Stop this activity, because it is not only not fruitful, but it can end in death, because it can cause us to become disposed with a certain dissatisfaction to the gifts of God. And especially when the Lord is speaking about the Eucharist, that is when he hits out at this murmuring very strongly. Because of all the gifts that Christ has given us, his passion, his death, his resurrection, his grace, the greatest is the Eucharist, the gift of himself. He could give nothing greater or in any way more complete. 
It is the gift of himself. And so murmuring and complaining is completely the opposite disposition that we should have. The Eucharist, the very name, means thanksgiving, gratitude. And so what we are called to in the gospel today is to move in our hearts from any dispositions of complaining or dissatisfaction with how the Lord operates in our life and to start to become attentive to the good things that he has done for us, the graces that he is constantly giving us, the appeals that he is constantly calling to our hearts to come to him in an ever more deeper manner. But most especially as we sit before the greatest gift that he could possibly give us, the gift of himself in the Eucharist, any dissatisfaction, any complaining we should pray that should be stripped from our hearts and be replaced with a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of Eucharistia, thanksgiving, a spirit of the Eucharist, which is the spirit of God himself. And as we turn in thanksgiving for so great a gift, as we adore the Lord in the blessed sacrament, and we give thanks for him when we receive him in holy communion, we should allow gratitude to fill our hearts and not the spirit of memory. Amen.